So let's talk about solving leadership challenges for 2024. You're thinking, hey, it's 2023. What are you talking about? It's like, look, next week we are about to enter the fourth quarter of 2023. And you're not going to be right now. You're not going to be focused on what's coming next. You're probably going to wait till December for that. You're, you're looking at finishing your goals and trying to tie off your projects that you got going on. All these things competing for your time to see where you're going to fall by the end of 2023. But as I've said before, leadership has been changing for a couple of years, and it's almost like you feel like you got to be Dr. Phil to really lead your team. But so many things are drifting toward emotional intelligence, what leaders need to provide, what employees need to get from their leaders that they're not getting. And it just can just be mind boggling and drain your mental capacity. So we're going to get into all of that. I'm going to throw a ton of statistics at you and you're probably going to maybe even feel a little bit worse, but don't worry because at the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about how you can solve this problem of being confused, being mentally drained, having anxiety, especially if you're a new leader. So strap in, sit down, get ready, get a great beverage and get ready to learn. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity, and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends, and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Welcome back to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast from across America and around the world. So good to be with you. And yeah, right now, I really want to just get you to stop for a second. Just take a time out, take an hour, maybe even if it's not even your work time, to really start thinking about how you're going to lead next year. And it doesn't mean you have to wait, but just, just hear me out here because like I said in the intro... There's so many things right now competing for your time, things you want to do, finish the year strong, all that stuff. Plus the the avalanche of holidays that people, it just changes everything. And a lot of people aren't, well, I would say, as productive, if you will, because we're focused on that. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it does change things. And right now would be a great time for you to kind of just take a look around at what what it is you need to start thinking about in order to be more effective because the world of leadership has changed so much just in the past couple of years. I would say probably a little bit into 2018, 19, but definitely COVID forced a lot of things in leadership, changed a tremendous amount of dynamics. And there's there's no getting around that. And you're thinking to yourself, well, how am I, how am I going to change? Because Here's the thing that people keep forgetting and all this talk about leadership of things you need to do because you're a leader. We often almost dismiss the fact that, well, leaders are humans too. You respond to the same kind of, of stimuli, the same kind of recognition, the same kind of you know, what you're being told as to how to lead your people. You need that too from your leadership. And if you're at the top of the food chain of your leadership and your company, maybe you're a one-off small business, whatever it is, you got to have mentors also. You got to have people you hang out with that will challenge you if that's who you are. But if you have a hierarchy 
of leadership. I hope you're not looking at your leaders with this tough love mentality and you treat them differently. Yes, you're going to talk about different things and higher level responsibilities. No doubt about that. But they're all human, all human traits. And the better you get at this, the, the better your leadership's going to be, the better your sanity is going to be. And like I said before, toward the end of the podcast, I can tell you exactly how you can really get a resource for everything that you need to be an effective leader in all of these senses. So, you know, in today's fast-paced, ever-changing workplace, leaders are just confronted with a myriad of challenges that test their mettle, adaptability, and emotional intelligence. That's one thing I talk about all the time, that you're, you you got to keep refilling your mental gas tank. Uh, uh, that's what gets drained because everybody's competing for what's in your brain and how you respond to that and how that makes you feel and how you change for things. So from managing a diverse workforce and navigating technological disruptions to fostering innovation, I mean, the list is just endless. You got to ensure sustainability. You got, there's so many things you got to do and the role of the leaders evolved into just this complex jigsaw puzzle. However, one of the most underestimated yet crucial challenges is leading with empathy. You're starting to hear this a lot and it is not a fad. It is not a, a, a soup of the day, if you will. These are things that when you really think about it, and you, you might think, oh, it's all touchy-feely and all that, but it's really about connecting with your team, connecting with other human beings. That's the key right there. And so often we look at this as, oh, I got to figure out what their feelings are. And then I got to change my approach to their feeling. It really isn't that. So let me give you an example here about good old Frank. Frank is a high-ranking executive in a tech firm, and he was known for his no-nonsense approach. He was people, he was numbers over people, for sure. He was very, very old school. He believed that emotions had no place in the workplace. You're, you're there to work. The only thing that mattered was the bottom line. And I know I, it sounds like I'm talking about like somebody from the 1980s or 90s, but these leaders are still out there. Because that's how they were raised. And that's one of the key ingredients you really have to think about when you are looking at the leaders you have and the way they are. You got to remember, although it's a burden to you, um, how did they, quote unquote, grow up? Who led them? Who trained them? Those are things that you have to consider when thinking about, you know, how am I going to manage upward when I've got somebody like this? But anyway, you know, Frank had they had this new software system they had to implement and usually and you think about when you got a major change of something like that that you get the whole group together and you got to explain why you need it and how it works and all that well he wasn't having any of that he just decided to implement the software without talking to them anyway um he says they're gonna have to learn it so it's got to roll out no matter what but the rollout was an absolute disaster employees struggled with it productivity pummeled um, and the atmosphere obviously was tense, but the funny part was Frank couldn't even figure out how to use the software himself <laughs> during a team meeting meant to address the issue. After all these complaints, all these problems, he attempted to demonstrate how it was easy to use because he think he knew it all. And, uh, to his horror and his team's <laughs> laughter, he couldn't even log in. The room interrupted in giggles. Frank's face turned red as a tomato. It was very humbling moment for him, realizing the importance of understanding the human 
element in leadership. And that was a turning point for him that, you know, unfortunately it took him being publicly embarrassed. But, you know, when you really think about it, you, you can look at that one off. Like if you could be frank for a minute and sit there and think about how horrible that experience must have been, you know, that was really happening anyway. Like everybody understood all of that, that was going on, how Frank was, how he treated people, how he thought about it, how the software didn't work. All that stuff was already there. It just happened to culminate in one meeting, which, which was needed. And it really was a turning point for him to realize that he had to, he really had to change. And he even enrolled in empathy training workshops and it really helped his team turn around. So, you know, the whole episode of Frank and his disaster of his rollout serves as a pointy reminder that leadership is not just about strategic thinking and decision making. It's also about understanding the emotional and psychological needs of your team. Like I said before, you know, it was certainly with leaders, your energy gets drained all the time. Well, everybody's does. There's just a pendulum of difference depending on how much stuff you're responsible for. So it's not just the leaders that get drained. It's it's the, the people that work there, the people that really make it happen. Because you got to remember, you know, if you're rolling out a software program that your people are using, that's for them. That's for how they're going to do a job better and how they're going to get things done. And if you're not really connecting with them to understand all that on a deeper level, which is really what's going to drive the collaboration, the harmonious work environment, all that stuff, you're not going to get very far. And when employees feel heard and valued, they are way more likely to engage, be loyal, be productive, quote unquote, you know, that's when they'll take one for the team, if you will, you know, all those different things happen only when you're really, truly connecting. So in addition to empathy, leaders today, you got to grapple with the challenge of leading remote teams too. And, and, you know, when the pandemic started, which is about the time I started this podcast a couple of years back. That was one of the biggest things that I was worried about for teams is how do you be collaborative when you're not together all the time? And, and there's a zillion arguments and I know they've all been had over the past few years about, Hey, I can do my job from home. I don't have to sit in my car in traffic and all this. And I get all of that, but there's no getting around the fact that when your team is together, like I was in an industry at the time where we, we had to come in. So that we didn't have this problem. We could still collaborate. We were there every day. And you think about things like, well, what is that person going through? Or what, what is this team succeeding at? And all these different things happening was we could see it in real time because we were together. But there's no denying the fact, as much as you love remote work, that you you can't be as synergized when you're when you're apart. So that's definitely a, an a added challenge for sure. You know, the absence of physical interaction makes it even more critical for the leaders to be really be in tune. Like you, you think about people you work with, you just know something's off, right? When something's off, they don't have to tell you. You just know. Well, that, that's how much harder to do when you got people never uh, never working together or hardly ever. So having regular check-ins, virtual team building activities, open communication channels, those help, but you really going to have to step it up in order to help bridge that gap of how do you keep your team synergized? So that's a whole nother challenge. Increasing the emphasis on sustainability and social responsibility, that's a whole nother layer of complexity because 
so much these days in the workforce as it's more and more trending toward millennials being the largest part of the workforce. One of their driving factors was being with sustainable organizations, being with organizations that were socially responsible. But again, if the group is always working remotely, how do they help with that? How does your company, you know, you're going to do a river cleanup or something like that. How do you get everybody out there to do that when you're all working remote, which actually is the perfect excuse to get everybody together because now you're doing two different things. You're doing a lot of team building stuff and you're addressing those issues of social responsibility and sustainability, which are great. So maybe that, maybe that becomes a positive. But the thing is now leaders are expected to be visionaries who can, you know, you can steer your organizations toward those sustainable practices while balancing stakeholder interest. I don't care how you slice it. You don't make profitability. You don't have a company. You can't employ people. It's not a charity and somebody's got to make the money. So you have to be able to balance both. And this really requires a holistic understanding of the business landscape, including economic things, social things, environmental aspects. The things about leadership today are so much more complex. In, in a sense, I know it sounds bad to say, hey, I envy leadership in previous generations, but the fact of the matter is, for all of their successes and all their accomplishments, they didn't face half of these things as they were coming up. And, you know, they didn't have to. We can't we can't take today's standards and go back 30 years and say, you should have done this. I mean, you wouldn't have either. That's the bottom. That's the, that's the honesty part of it. You wouldn't have done that either because you wouldn't have known about it. But the bottom line is, as we look forward to 2024, now would be a great time to kind of take a time out and start thinking about what are the things I need to start working on thinking about what resources can I use to start moving forward to this. And I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit, but the fact is leaders face in the modern workplace, just multifaceted challenges and it's ever evolving, but at the core effective of effective leadership lies the timelessness quality of empathy. And, and here's, here's a good point to make about that. When we were talking about competing leadership styles of the past and things like that, if you go look at Dale Carnegie books, how to win friends, influence people, how to stop worrying and start living, a couple of those things, and he's got several others. Those are about a hundred years old now. So it's about a principle and what works and that does work and how things have changed and evolved depending on what has happened. Yeah, you can look at some other things and say, yeah, this worked or that worked or whatever. But look at how many companies just lay people off, not because they're not profitable, but because they're not hitting the goal they thought they should versus what's really real. You know, they act like when they're laying people off, it's like, oh, we have to because we're gonna go broke, but they really aren't. They just missed a projection. But the problem with that is, if they're a publicly traded company, well, their investors expect to hit that projection, whether it's realistic or not, or whether it makes sense. It doesn't matter how much they actually profited. It only matters, did I hit this arbitrary number? And when they don't, they just cut people loose. So, you know, you have that kind of thing. So you can say, well, why isn't that person leading with empathy and all that? I, I know it's not out there. What I'm talking about to you is, if you're listening to this podcast, this is about you. 
and how you're going to lead because you can lead that way no matter what's going on. And as Frank learned the hard way, numbers and strategies are important, but they don't mean a whole lot if the team isn't understood, not valued, not motivated. And the thing about motivating your team is that is the, the last thing. In a sense, you really can't motivate them. You can, you can change the conditions, the environment that you have to motivate them, but you can't just have motivation meetings because it's the other things that they don't have the buy-in. They don't believe you, you know, just for lack of a better term, they just don't trust you as a leader because you're not doing the other things. The motivation only happens when the other things are in place. And those are the things you really have to start keying in on and how you're going to function. So let's get into some real-time statistics that came out about a month ago. It, this is from quicksee.com. Uh, I got the, the link to their article in the show notes if you want to check that out. But uh, they, they get into probably what you already instinctively know. But these are just actual numbers, which is great. But it's probably things you've already thought about or feel, but this really just quantifies it. So let's start with the leaders first. Like, how do leaders feel and act? So according to a Gartner survey, the vast majority, 90% of HR leaders believe that in order to thrive in the modern workplace, leaders need to prioritize human elements of leadership. And right there, just that one thing, oh, man, that's so draining. I'm not Dr. Phil. I, I could be if I had my own show, but you got to, when am I going to get my work done and be like that? You have to start thinking about that. Of the leaders who expressed feeling emotionally drained at the end of each day, 44% anticipated switching companies to progress their careers. I find this one very interesting because why is it you think the, the challenges that you have now, take away the toxic work environment. You got that. That's one thing. But as a leader, just conceptually, that you get drained because it's more of a mental thing. Like, that's not going to happen at the next place. They're not going to have challenges. They're not going to have problems. But we think that, oh, if I just go somewhere new, it'll be fresh. And you probably will be for a couple months. But then all that other stuff starts creeping in. That's why it's so critical for you as a leader to develop your leadership skills in these areas so it doesn't matter where you're at. Then it only becomes about, hey, if I'm giving all this for this company, is this the right place because it's the right place? Not because you think you can go somewhere else and never have another challenge because that is not gonna happen. Leaders who prioritize managing over interacting are 32% less engaged 1.5 times more likely to feel burned out by the end of the day and two times more likely to leave within 12 months. So the difference between managing and leading and not really connecting with people, because that's where you really learn what is really going on, how they really feel. In organizations where leaders actively practice and receive feedback from managers, the likelihood of having high quality leaders and a strong talent pool increases by almost five times. So when you really want to know what's going on, how it's going on, and what do people really think about what they're doing, you can five times your talent pool because you've now started working on creating a great work environment. 
but let's flip the coin here. So how, how are the employees reacting to what they're seeing in leadership today? So only 29% of employees perceive their leader as demonstrating human leadership. 29%, that's less than a third are saying, yeah, my, my boss is human. But see, like I said before, how are they raised and who's raising them and so on. So it's not just your immediate manager. It's pretty rare that you have a company where the leadership is right and the one manager is just not. Because usually that organization will address that one. But for less than a third of people to feel like there is a human connection, that's a big problem. Because you think about what we're talking about here. Everything is telling us in the workforce that as we get, even right now, but certainly as we get into the next year, that it's all going to be about how do we interact as humans, even though I'm the leader, you're the employee, like everything, the emotional intelligence, the empathy, all of that. It's less than a third right now. 31% of employees concur that their leaders actively foster an inclusive team environment. So that's even low. That's, you know, you got to look at things like what, what, what are they, is that even on the radar of the leader? And in some cases, it's I, I, depending on where you work, is it up to the leader to make that happen? Who gets hired and how they get hired? So that's a significant challenge. 76% of employees state that work-related stress has adversely affected their relationships while 66% admit to losing sleep doing work during do they admit to losing sleep because of work stress. Well, of course, that, that quote that um, I've talked about in the past, but um, from Scott Blanchard, where he talks about how how people feel are made to feel at work become their dinner conversation at home. That's always been a thing. And you think about whatever, what's the first thing you do when you get home? That's the first thing you talk about. And, but it, it, it creeps in there and it gets even, it's one thing that obviously the employees feel that way, but as the leadership, that's even multiplied because the, the, again, the mental drain, that pendulum swings, the more you're just leading versus doing a particular task, you're going to have a bigger strain on you for that. And you're probably up also, 35% of individuals recognize their boss as a primary cause for workplace stress. And 80% believe that a change in direction management or leadership directly affects their, just a change. Of course it does. And well, the boss is the one telling you what to do or what not to do or how to do it. Or, or they're really, you know, you're really setting the tone. Like I said, the leader controls the thermostat for your culture. And that does not have to be like, if you work in a big company, I'm not talking about the CEO. I'm talking about your department, what you're accountable for. Your area is 100% up to you and how you approach that. It doesn't matter what the other leaders are doing. Even if your leader is leading you like crap, you don't have to treat your people like that. But unfortunately, what happens, people want to have a sustainable career, long-term success, all of that stuff. Well, they just monkey see monkey do for the most part. And that is a huge, huge um, stumbling block 
for most leaders, but you can be the leader you want to be just simply by doing it. So inadequate appreciation from their managers can cause 79% of the employees to consider quitting. And that's a whole skill of itself in recognition as far as like, you can't sugarcoat it or be a slimy salesperson. You know, if you just look at somebody and say, I really appreciate all you do, but you don't tell them why. And they like, people can feel if it's real or not. So using real world examples, what really happened and what I've, I, I've told this over and over and over, you should have a behavioral strategy, right? So when you think about what, what are you guys trying to accomplish as a team, your strategy should be behavioral, daily behaviors. So that's what you want to recognize. So you get more of that. And if you start pushing that, you start talking about that, that's where people are going to go. That's where people are going to do. And it makes it a whole lot easier. And if millennials perceive a lack of leadership skill development and no opportunities for growth, 71% of them will leave their job in two to three years. So if you aren't developing them at all, they don't see basically a light at the end of the tunnel. There's nowhere for them to grow to. They're going to go find a place. And these are all huge challenges that every, every leader is going to have from now on. This is not going to revert back in a different direction. So you may be thinking to yourself, how in the world am I going to accomplish all this? And yeah, look, reading books is great and it should be a, a, a habit that you have and you continuously learn or a lot of people go to some kind of training class for a very specific training thing. There's very, very many popular ones. And I don't want to say which ones because I don't want to de you know, demonize any of them. But what I see so often is that people will take these courses and they get their little certificate and that's it. And they throw their book in the drawer and that's all there is. And I'm telling you, you really need some sustainable lessons. You need things that build off another, things that address each one of these in three key areas in how are you as a leader really going to lead an individual? How are you going to create team leadership? You start talking about culture and creating a vision and where the team is going and how are you going to handle all those things? And at the same time, the most often looked issue for leaders is themselves, like continuing to self-develop. Well, the good news is, is you can go to successstrategies.net and you can get that training there. You can submit an inquiry and I will be happy to sit down with you, have a team's call, um, however you want to do it. And we can go over how we can structure this training for you that we cover all these areas. It is a very complete, it's 45 different courses that aren't that long for each one, but it starts covering all these areas that you can really learn to grow in how you can change your leadership style to really start. How do I lead with empathy? How do I improve my EQ? How do I build my team so I can be productive, so we can hit our goals, so we can make money, all these different things you want to accomplish. And you're thinking to yourself right now, it's like, 
how do I become the camp counselor, so to speak, and, and get all these people in this rowing the boat in the same direction with the way people want to work today and all the things they need to be an effective team. Go to success, successstrategies.net and book yourself a little, little call with me and we will figure that out for you. So what did we learn today? How did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button. Tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.